It is Wednesday, August 4th, and you are listening to Steve Sack Syndrome. I am Scott Bunn. And I am Tom Chalmers, and this is your Indie Sports Radio. Tom, how are we doing this? You and I, we're, we're kicking it around. We're making things happen, both at home, um, out in the community. But we're still doing this. We're still bringing you Indie Sports Radio. We find a way. It's because the sports keep doing it. So, <laughs> you know, it's, it's a push-pull kind of thing. Yeah, I there's that joke that everybody is uh is saying that like uh nature is healing or nature finds a way. It's the same kind of thing. Sports finds a way. I'd say it does. Uh and we have so much to talk about. Uh NBA draft and free agency, Major League Baseball trading deadline, Olympics, and even a little time for Formula One. Because there's always I- time for a little Formula One. Just a little bit. You need to get your formula. So we'll be having old friend Matt Pagoshnik on the program. He's been on the show a few times, but uh, it's been a number of years. Uh, So we'll stay tuned for that. But let's start it off by talking about the NBA. Uh, Since we last talked, uh, we had the NBA draft uh, happened uh, last Thursday. Also, we are recording this on a Tuesday. We had the NBA free agency started. Um, and, uh, maybe before we, uh, but right before the draft started, I got a text from you saying, Hey, Scott, Russell Westbrook was traded to the Los Angeles Lakers. I believed you called them another name in your text. Um, uh, the Los Angeles unlikables. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, but, um, so yeah, there is that immediately of just like, Oh, here we go. The Lakers doing that. But. You know, I I have to say that, um, you know, my immediate response was not sure if this actually makes them better. You know, while, you know, Russell Westbrook is tremendously talented. He was the MVP a few years ago. He is 32. He is showing somewhere. He goes hard out every game um, like like he's always going to make an effort just with everything, but that's sometimes his problem. And we've seen that like he plays with a big player and then usually the big players like, I, I kind of over Russ a little bit, you know, like, you know, Durant, Durant in OKC, Paul George in Oklahoma city, James Harden in Houston. And now Bradley Beal in Washington was kind of like, yeah, you could trade him. I, I I wouldn't be upset with that. So, you know, it's going to be interesting how he fits in when he goes into the team with like the biggest dog in the league, you know, LeBron James. Um, so, yeah, w- w- how are your your feelings about that move? Well, uh, a few things. You know, hooray, uh, you know, the, the Lakers keep it interesting, certainly. Yes. Um, so uh, whether you... you know, approve of what they do or not uh it does make you text well guess what's happening yes Um, exactly so i understand that uh clearly lebron likes to play with the veterans he does not have much patience for the younger players talk about that more in a second so uh russell westbrook fits that category but also someone who does not tend to get injured a lot as and um anthony davis both dealt with that last year um He's going to have to get more minutes, and he he does seem to be able to absorb that. Um, he yeah. just, he is um, just go 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 that way. So sort of smart, um, but yeah, I just I just don't see the track record where you go. Well, he'll come in and make this team better, right? <laughs> like a Chris Paul or otherwise. So there's just that, and 
Yeah, just the, the combination of personalities. I just, I just wonder, particularly when you have Frank Vogel, who just sort of a, hey guys, figure it out, okay? Yeah. I believe in you, bros. Yeah. Yeah. This is, I say this as someone who, you know, carves a similar path in this world as Frank Vogel. You know, like um, <laughs> people are not going, like, shh, listen to him um, when I walk into a room. Um, <laughs> But uh, so just a lot of that. But I just want to come back to that, which is, you know, LeBron is doing what he has needed to do for himself to mm. put himself in the best position for him to win another title. Um, but his disregard for younger players along the way, I just found a little unappealing. Yeah. You know, just uh, so whether it's the right move or wrong move, and he, he did that with Cleveland when he went back and was like, I don't want to play with any Wiggins. Get, get, get them out. Go get me veterans. Go right. get me veterans. And now he's done it again with the Lakers. And I'm just, if I'm a Lakers fan, I'm, of course, grateful that, yeah, they won a title. And he, mm -hmm. he made Anthony Davis coming there possible. But if you were a Kyle Kuzma fan or otherwise, you're like, hey, my favorite young player. Like, <laughs> you made them all go away. Now for Trevor Ariza's and things like that, which sort of yeah. one-year deals and things. So he's just not great for the – yeah, and then when he leaves, there's not going to be this, like – pool of young players to take over uh, yeah. they'll have to sort of completely rebuild and they're the Lakers so they can but I, I just have not liked that I wish there was a version of them uh, of him who was like you are uh, you know a version of me when I was younger I want to work with you I want to lift you up as we both win together um, he's doing that a little bit with AD but you know yeah that's what I was gonna say. 22 he, he is yeah. older you know yeah. Uh, yeah. So it is interesting. I, I've seen a couple of people say like, this is going to make the Lakers better in the regular season, which I think had an impact on the Lakers playoffs this year in terms of like, as you said, uh, LeBron got hurt, uh, Davis got hurt, and that impacted where they were. So they were a seventh seed instead of something else. And so, yeah, they were just eliminated early. Um so that will definitely help, but you know Westbrook has his has had his playoff issues. So um, yeah, and wanting to be the hero um, yeah. when you are third on the pecking order, um, and so it'll be yeah, it'll be really entertaining to see how that all works. Uh, before we move over to the draft, I mean we had free agency. There's there's nothing kind of crazy that's happened so far, like. We've had past NBA years where, as you said, like we're texting like, I can't believe this just happened. Uh, we're not quite getting that with like the biggest move being Kyle Lowry going to the Miami Heat. But I, my favorite thing was uh, Evan Fournier, um, who was uh, traded to the Celtics. Yeah. Um, and, and he signed a big contract with the, with the Knicks the other day. But for me, like he had a really good like Olympics game just the other day. So for me, it was kind of like a guy who does really well in the world cup and like yeah. never heard of him before. And all of a sudden he gets signed by a ton of money by Real Madrid in the transfer market. Like, like Hamas Rodriguez a few years ago. So it felt like Evan Fournier got some Olympic cash. He did. Uh, yeah. I did. When we picked you know, we, the Celtics, uh, the team I, I follow, when they picked him up during the season, I was like, Evan Forna, who kind of thing. Yeah. And he played not well first couple of games, but it's, right. it's hard. You press when you first get to a team and eventually showed promise. Uh, but yeah, when I was watching that, I was like, well, good. Well, at least we now we know why the Celtics bothered to pick that guy. Oh, gone. 
Never mind. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, now you say we should move over to the NBA draft, but uh, I don't like to come back to. Um, but boy, the NFL draft just lands so much more satisfactorily. Yes. Um, than the NBA draft. There's a combination. There's just because of G League and international players and everything. There's just a lot of like, wait, who's this guy? Uh, <laughs> yes. Um, and still the idea of like proposed trade to like, oh, yeah. all right, can you guys just work this out and then just like telephone, just post the cast list in the morning, you know? <laughs> yeah. I and, and Tom, we didn't even talk about this beforehand, but those were exactly my notes. It's just like bad TV. I think like uh what's his name? Kendrick Perkins was even like on TV breaking down like how a draftee will fit into this team. And they had to be like, uh, actually, he got traded. And you're just like, you know, like, and and if you're also following along on Twitter, like, it's so much easier. And it's like these two different worlds are happening where it's like, yeah, the NBA draft is being televised and something murky is happening there. Whereas Twitter's like, here's what's going on, you know? And and so it's you can't watch them both at the same time. And like I was thinking about this, like not an entirely hilarious uh, SNL sketch, but I think it was Keenan Thompson where they were like, like uh, where there were like problems with the financial system. He'd just mm-hmm. be like, just fix it, yeah. you know. And he was just like yelling at the cameras. Yeah, was, I, one just fix it to it. Yeah. Fix it. Yeah. Yeah. And that uh, that's kind of where it is with this, where it's like you guys make a lot of money. You are in the entertainment business, ESPN and NBA. Like, just fix it. <laughs> uh yeah, because as it happened, yeah, I'm really only two things I point to. So uh Kate Cunningham did end up being the number one pick, which uh, most people thought would be the case. Um to the to the Detroit Pistons. I think he played it well in saying that he wants to show that sort of Detroit swagger that, you know, mm-hmm. was synonymous with a lot of the winning teams from the past. So I, I think he, he played it well. He, he responded uh, to the first, you know, pick process well. Um, beyond that, I, I thought the best pick was uh, number three, Evan Mobley, who's the mm. center out of USC, who can sort of do everything yeah. uh, to the Cavaliers. I don't love that he went to the Cavaliers, but I thought of all the things, as we just saw um, the center for the, the Phoenix Suns, yeah, DeAndre Ayton. Um, do pretty well, um, but Mobley seems to like to, um, again, he's he's lean too, but he doesn't mind banging around as much. So uh, of all the things, I was like, ooh, that's, that that guy's good. You could just yeah. see him in, like, you know, the, the clip pops with, like, he can do that and that yeah. and that, and he's that big. Um, but beyond that, I'm like, I guess so. Yeah. Um, uh, Suggs out of Gonzaga to. That's, that's yeah. what I was going to say, yeah. Uh, just because it's probably – you know, he's the one guy like coming out of college basketball that I'm like, I know who that guy is, mm-hmm. you know, where a lot of the other players I'm like, okay, as you say, like, I need to make a, a leap of faith that this, that I can see him playing in the NBA. Whereas like Jalen Suggs, you're like, that guy can play with anybody. And it kind of feels like the, the magic, you know, <laughs> I have no idea who the Orlando Magic are, you know, in terms of a team. Like, all these kind of big guys who might be able to play. Like, Jalen Suggs seems to be like, yes, I know who he is. That that uh, The Magic need a personality like that. 
Um, and then quickly back to free agency. So uh, Lonzo Ball being signed by the Bulls. Mm. Um, people seem excited about And yet you do hope that his skills finally find a place where he is throwing gorgeous passes to um, Zach Levine, whatever, right? Yeah. Um, uh, Lonzo Bull. Ah, nice. <laughs> it Thank you. <laughs> um, and then uh, now we're getting much more detailed. I do like the, even though Lowry's, you know, a little older, I do like that they just re-signed Jimmy Butler and they brought Lowry in. I think Jimmy Butler loves to be mm-hmm. the most ridiculously talented number two. Um, yep. I think Lowry will sort of take over some of the, hey, guys, let's 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 do this moments that Jimmy Butler's yeah. not great at. And Jimmy yeah. Butler can just focus on, let me shred this team and be r- ridiculous in the last 90 seconds of a game. Yeah, be Jimmy Butler. Uh, so on occasion... Uh, I'll get texts from our uh, today's guests. Uh, he isn't um, a giant sports fan, uh, but he has some passions um, within the world of sports. And uh, I'll get these. I'll get these mysterious things of just like the Formula One race was bonkers today, or you better be talking about so and so in the upcoming Steve Sachs syndrome. So. I got too many of these from our guests this week. So I was like, okay, then you need to come on the show and talk about these things. So welcome back to Steve Sachs Interim, Matt Pagoshnik. Thank you very much. Great to be here with you, Scott and Tom. I had a, a big lunch of some Dave Chang-inspired uh, gochujang fried rice with some Momofuku chili crisp on there. I'm ready to provide some hot spicy takes (laughs) well we're gonna start um with the olympics um it's been an interesting olympics so far we covered it on the show uh, a couple of times and you know i I don't think we necessarily need to get into the um uh, the conversation around simone biles which um you know uh, came became much bigger than sports itself and became a political thing and frankly boring and disrespectful for her as a as an athlete i thought but uh the very next day i got the thing of like looking forward to your sunisa lee hot takes because (laughs) as she is called is from the twin cities where you are from matt so uh, first of all tell us um a little bit about sunisa lee her background and yeah, how it's landing in in uh, the Twin Cities. Um, well, it's very exciting. And actually this morning, I just saw a tweet, uh, I think from her, somebody retweeted into my timeline about how excited she was to come home after all of this. Like she hasn't had a chance to really uh, digest everything that's happened to her. And You know, like when she said home, I was reading it and I realized, well, she's talking about St. Paul. That's pretty cool. That kid is going to come home to St. Paul. And uh, that, I mean, I think that generally is probably the cool thing. One of the cool things about the Olympics, uh, just because like those people are from somewhere, maybe more than like a professional athlete. Mm. they're you know they they make a home rather than just sort of reside somewhere but um no it's really cool because for a lot of reasons uh 
you know, St. Paul uh, doesn't get the attention it maybe it deserves, <laughs> or maybe it gets as, exactly as much attention as it deserves. But uh, um, it's really cool just because uh, Sunisa is is Hmong, and uh, they the that uh, ethnic group is just a, a, an important and really cool and rich part of the community here in the Twin Cities. And uh, I don't, do you guys know much about like the, how the community got to be in Minneapolis or in St. Paul and, and kind of what led to those folks coming to the States? No, please share that okay. because right. I, yeah, the, the Hmong experience is a very interesting uh, experience yeah. here in the United States, but yeah, go for it. So um, the, the Hmong is a, is a specific ethnic group uh, started, you know, a long, long time ago, kind of developed in China. Uh, they, there's still quite a lot of Hmong people in China itself, but uh, in the, uh, 1900s is a fairly large community that developed in Laos and Cambodia and Vietnam. And then when the United States was there, uh, as part of that uh, unfortunate uh, conflict, right. they, the government used the Hmong people to fight in the secret war. Uh, I guess as it's called, and and as part of the deal, uh, those folks were promised uh, citizenship or at least you know refugee status in the United States when mm-hmm. uh, when it was all over, uh, and so a fairly large community developed here in the Twin Cities. It's always been a fairly uh, welcoming place. I, I was actually thinking about it before uh, before this. Uh, before the, the meeting we're having and like, it won't be long really until there's going to be uh, a person who wins an Olympic medal from the twin cities. Who's uh, you know, whose heritage is Somalian mm-hmm. or West African. And that's going to be a pretty cool moment. Uh, and so it's just one of the things that makes the twin cities pretty awesome. So there's a huge community here, probably about uh, 30 or 40,000 people. Uh, and they, you know, folks have been coming here since, uh, well, since the seventies and, and it's just, you know, it's just part of living in Minneapolis is this large community of, of, of Hmong folks. And now we have an Olympic gold medicine medalist who's from St. Paul. And it's like, it's just a, it's just a really cool feeling, you know? Yeah. Uh, Does the local news kind of start with her and then sort of like, and then the rest of the sports? Yeah. Like, I mean, like the front pages of both papers, Mm. like the last three days has been, you know, uh, you know, all, it's all Sunisa and, uh, you know, the, the, uh, the local uh, news coverage uh, begins with Sunisa. And so, yeah, it's been it's been really, really exciting. It's been really cool. And as you say, uh, the Olympics are a um, a sort of 
opportunity for local communities in general to embrace an athlete unless like you know unless like lebron james who is from ohio you know is playing for ohio like there's a particular uh you know flavor with that but like i I read this that you know the governor of minnesota the mayor of st paul declared you know friday july 30th sunisa lee day you know moving forward so there's just like those kinds of very particular things that they're like yep she's ours yeah it's it's you know and i mean you know we scott you and i laugh a fair amount or maybe everybody laughs a fair amount about how you know Minnesota and the Twin Cities, uh, we kind of like latch on to anything that's even remotely like Twin Cities or, or, or <laughs> Minneapolis. And like, you know, so and when someone makes it big, you know, if they drove through once, we're kind of like, <laughs> yeah, that's, <laughs> that's our person. Um, but, uh, the, but this is like, this is, you know, a, just a, a situation where like Sunisa grew up here because of uh, probably some unfortunate circumstances mm-hmm. and certainly her, uh, her parents uh, probably, well, certainly have like, you know, struggled to make a new life here in this country and in this city and they did it. And Sunisa Lee is an American you know, among American and like, and, and for, and she's, you know, and she's from the twin cities. And so it's, it, it, you know, this uh, year, especially it feels uh, really good. I think to be able to like showcase the, the things that make this place pretty special. Uh, And just going back to the gymnastics. And again, we said we didn't want to talk too much about Simone Biles, but I did you know, I think that not enough people appreciate it that, yeah, you're on a gymnastics team. Um, yeah. So right. if you're like, I'm going to step away because we have awesome other competitors here. It's not right, like right. anyone who went. So it's not, I'm not saying that uh, Sunisa won only because Simone Biles stepped away, um, but she left space for another teammate to yeah. be awesome. And she was. Right. So it, again, it, it isn't just uh, leaving an empty chair and walking away. You, you're part of a team. And so, so many, you know, uh, next player up kind of thing. And it, it happened to work out really well um, for her. That's one of the reasons that I stopped coming on this show is because it was time to just like leave some space for some other people. <laughs> we appreciate that. Very, very magnanimous <laughs> of you, Matt. <laughs> magnanimous Pugashnik. That's uh, right. I also like that. Sunisa Lee, she won the gold in that. And then, um, you know, she she got a bronze with the uneven parallel bars. And she said, I I had to delete Twitter because I was on Twitter way too much. And that might have affected <laughs> my performance. And I was like, been there, Sunisa. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, we are like one Twitter, tw- Twitter deletion away from meddling in the Olympics, the three of us. <laughs> but mine's more like, hey, Scott, don't you want to be present for your kids and your wife? <laughs> you know? Oh, yeah, that's... Uh, are they on Twitter? Yeah. yeah. Hey. <laughs> Do I get a gold medal if I delete Twitter? <laughs> Matt, don't you want to mow the lawn? Oh, <laughs> 
Um, well, uh, so stepping away from Sunisa Lee, we've got a couple yes. of minutes left. A anything else um, for you guys, uh, Olympics-wise, that uh, any stories that you want to uh, highlight? Well, I would just say quickly, it, it's, you know, while it's a bummer that there are not uh, fans there uh, to the scale that should be, um, as was true with the drafts over the last year and a half or so, it is cool to, to cut away to the, the rooting parties. Um, mm -hmm. that's been a nice, that makes for good TV. The Olympics is great for that stuff. Mike Tarico and all, you know, kind of stuff, you know, but so that's, that's been good. Uh, the, uh, the, the swimmer who did so well kind of in cutting way to Orlando actually made me like Orlando for a few minutes kind of thing. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, they all seem so happy. Uh, so, uh, but yeah, so it was that, that part has been nice and not just Americans, but you know, th throughout to sort of cut to them. Um, although it does involve then, Oh, great. Now we watch uh, Olympic athletes be awkward on Zoom. Oh, we have your family here. Is there anything you want to say to them? Uh, all right. Yeah. See you soon. <laughs> uh, my, my favorite thing about uh, the Olympics is like the emergence of, um, of like kids of athletes who I rooted for, yeah. you know, oh. that I had no idea were, um, you know, were athletes, but then suddenly, you know, find out that there's an American high jumper named Vashti Cunningham, who is Randall Cunningham's daughter. You know, she, oh, wow. uh, Randall Cunningham played quarterback for the Eagles, your hometown Vikings, who I know yep. how much you love the Vikings, Matt. Um, yep. And um, say, say that with as straight of a face as I can. <laughs> Just like, what? Randall Cunningham's daughter? And I'm like, Scott, don't think about her just in terms of her famous dad. Like, she is her own person. But I can't help but be like, she's my favorite high jumper now, you know? So suddenly, <laughs> like, I have a favorite high jumper because of my relationship with her father. <laughs> That's pretty cool. I wonder if there is anything like that for curling. I want, I'm oh, gonna have yeah. to, I hope to look into that. Uh, speaking of the high jump, that was one of the kind of, you know, uh, enjoyed stories this week. Uh, the two high jumpers had sort of, you know, leveled out at the same level. Um, so oh, yeah. trying to figure out what was going to happen. And they're standing there. Um, and then one guy goes, well, can we both win gold? And there's like an official there who goes, uh, maybe. Yeah. And they just go running away, <laughs> just celebrating that they both won gold. And the guy's like, I, I didn't actually say yes. I, I, okay. Like, you, you couldn't pull it back at that point. It's literally just like hugging and running down with their flags. And like, hey, you're like, yeah, I, I really I probably should have called a supervisor before that happened. But okay. That's, yes. Nice so where's the hot take that that's what's wrong with this generation? Everybody's getting gold medals. <laughs> Why don't we just hand out participation medals? Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's, that's great. So we we do need to wrap this up. Um, uh, but uh, Matt, you're going to... Um, oh, wait, Tom, do you have something that you want to... No, nothing important. But ju just two things on the name front. Always happy uh, to see... Oh, so Kyle Chalmers was the uh, swimmer for nice. who kept getting silver but i still love him um and then turn on the uh, golf i don't know why i'm so ha happy but rory sabatini um mm. was there uh, and again i just was like rory sabatini it's just <laughs> a fun name to say and i hadn't said it in a while so i do believe I everyone in my home just going rory sabatini for about three hours <laughs> 
That's great. Well, um, you know, our uh, um, yes, kudos to Sunisa Lee. Yeah. Happy celebration in the Twin Cities. We are back here on Steve Sachs Center. We've got Matt Pagoshnik here. Uh, he has been our senior curling correspondent. So when the Winter Olympics comes calling in a couple of months, we'll pull him in. But he is most certainly our senior Formula One correspondent. And I'm really looking forward to this because uh, for our segment notes, I have Matt talks about Formula One and why it's bonkers. Uh, so, Matt, why don't you tell us uh, what's happening with the latest races? Um, well, the latest race was uh, in Hungary, and uh, it's usually a, it's a pretty good race. Uh, it's a little tough to pass at that track, but uh, it's always fairly interesting. It's an old track they've been racing there since uh well since kind of the beginning of f1 but pretty consistently since the 80s this uh race was pretty unique because uh they qualified on saturday super super hot um like i think it was like probably a hundred a hundred and five something like that in, mm. in hungary that day the next day when they go to race it's kind of drizzly so the race starts uh, and everyone, all the drivers are on intermediate tires, which are the, the tires they put on when it's sort of rainy, but not a torrential downpour. They have uh, more uh, specific tires for really wet conditions like that. So the race starts, track's pretty wet. They come to the first turn and uh, Valtteri Bottas, the... Uh, number two driver for Mercedes is back in about fifth. He, uh, he breaks too late, locks up rear ends, uh, Lando Norris. I'm just tossing out these names for Tom's sake, but <laughs> rear ends Lando Norris and then drives Lando Norris into like four other cars. So mm. right at the first corner, there's a bunch of cars taken out of the race. So, Safety car comes out. Uh, the race is red flagged, which actually means uh, the race is stopped. So for about 40 minutes, 50 minutes, everybody goes back to the, to the paddock. They do some work on the cars. They go back out to start the race, like from a standing start, like it did originally. And everyone's on intermediates. So before you do the start, you do what's called a formation lap where all the cars go around the track once and then they line up in their grid spots. So during the formation lap, during the red flag session, uh, the rain has stopped and the sun has come out and the track is drying up super quickly. So during the formation lap, everybody's kind of like, well, are we going to, should we put on slicks? Should we put on our regular tires? Now, Lewis Hamilton is the head is, is of course, in first place, uh, you know, after that first lap. And so he's leading this formation lap. Every other car behind him decides to pit and put on slicks during the formation lap. So you have this incredible image of Lewis Hamilton with his intermediate tires on sitting on the grid completely alone mm. like the, the only car out there and every other car is just lined up in the pit lane 
waiting for the race to restart. And so if everybody, if anybody has watched, uh, you know, the Netflix series drive to survive, they do the, they're very good at doing that repeated mo motif of like, you know, the five lights come on and then they go out and then the race starts. Well, there's one car <laughs> on the racetrack. So he takes off and every other car now on slick slicks files out of the pit lane behind him. And by the end of the, this first lap, which he's, he's leading, he's like, Ugh, I got a pit that like the track is completely dry. So they, he pits, put on slicks. He comes out. He's now in last place because everybody else has already filed past him. Now, of course, Lewis being Lewis, he works his way up all the way to uh, fourth position. And with about 10 laps to go, the guy in front of him is Fernando Alonso, who is a two-time world driving champion. Uh, if he isn't 40, he's in his late 30s, which like every other sport, he retired for a year actually mm -hmm. and drove IndyCar last year. Uh, but so Lewis comes up to him uh, in fourth place uh, and uh, Fernando holds him off for just incredible, like five or six incredible laps where, where Lewis is just like going at him from every different angle uh, on the two spots where you can really pass on this track. And he finally gets past him. Uh, to take third place in the race and uh, just with a couple of laps to go. Uh, and, but Lewis for sure would have won that race if, uh, if Fernando hadn't held him up for, for all those, for all those laps. So it was just, just a, a really, that race in particular, this season has been great last season, even with COVID was great. And, um, but that race in particular, just for the, like the, the imagery mm. of, Lewis Hamilton alone on the grid was, yeah. you know, just something you just don't, you'll never see again. Uh, so that's kind of what made it bonkers. There was a bunch also, of other stuff that happened, but that was the most bonkers. And then the winner, right? Uh, Esteban yes. Ocon, is that his name? Yep. Yep. Uh, he was like a 200 to one, you know, uh, oh, yeah. long he, shot to yeah. win that. I mean, he's been racing for a while and, you know, he's, yeah. Uh, but this maybe is his first win ever. I'm not sure, or at least in a long time. First, the, first win ever. Mm -hmm. Yep. Driving Frenchman driving for a French team. Uh, so that was, you know, that's exciting for, for, you know, in the history of F1 and uh, yeah, he's, you know, he's a, a young guy who's kind of, you know, bounced around a couple of different teams over the last few years and, you know, between the weather and, uh, fate, you know, he scores his first win. And it's, and, and that is, you know, I've been watching this sport for, well, a little over 10 years now. And, um, you know, during all that time, you know, it's been pretty much a Mercedes lockout mm. for almost all, it's either been Red Bull or Mercedes, uh, taking, you know, those top two or certainly you know, two of the top three positions with a great deal of regularity. And the last, this season and last season, there have been a number of first time winners. And uh, 
it really it's it really is a a a very powerful sporting moment to like see you know this guy who's like i mean his whole life like he's probably been carting since Mm. uh he was in you know single digits old and for him to be 24 25 and to win a grand prix it's just it's it's uh it's pretty overwhelming it's pretty cool to see it's really cool to see it is very very happy for esteban yeah. yeah, just wanted to come back. So again, uh, you know, Formula One, uh, we've talked about this before. I even talked about this with my, my uh, dad as a race car driver. Sometimes it can be a little hard to follow, you know, with some of the, like, the, the points along the left column of the screen. You're like, wait, huh? Yes. So winning but not winning, huh? What? Um, but still, <laughs> uh, 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 fun. But yeah, the names are great. So I do, it sort of falls into, I had a thing one time, which... Uh, uh, NHL goalies either have the craziest names or the the most plain names. It's either Mike <laughs> yeah. Smith. Um, so same thing, Lewis Hamilton. You know the 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 top of the chain there with a nice plain name. But yeah, you already mentioned some of them. So first of all, Lando Norris. I just want to yep. write an action adventure thriller uh, so he can star in it. It's very. That's funny you say that because uh, to the contrary, we call him Baby Lando. Uh, not. <laughs> yeah. not not because he's, uh, you know, uh, a whiner or anything like that, because he's literally like, you know, 19 years old and uh, and very funny and on social media and seems like a very sweet kid. And so we're all, you know, our theme uh, on every Sunday around the race is go, go, baby Lando, go, go. Well, great. And then maybe he can star <laughs> in this movie uh, and his uh, the arch villain will be Max Verstappen. Oh, Max. Max would yes. make a good villain. <laughs> I, I, Matt has uh, Matt has implored me to watch um, Verstappen on a couple of races. Like you just need to watch this one. Like uh, and, and that was the like the the hand pressing firmly on my arm um, text <laughs> of like yeah this is one that you have to watch. And I was like yeah look at this. But he does sound like a Bond villain, Max Verstappen. He he definitely has uh, villainous tendencies. I'll say that. (laughs) (laughs) And then quickly, where are we in the Formula One season? And uh, how do things play out? Is there sort of accumulated points or? Mm -hmm. Well, uh, it this is actually a very good time to bring that up. We are at the halfway point or, mm. or just short of the halfway point. They uh, F1 is now taking its uh, European vacation. That's going to be, there won't be any racing until the very end of August. So the teams have a little over three weeks to recharge. And then I think there's 12 12 or 13 races and they're, they're going till the first week in December. Uh, and right now, uh, between what happened, uh, last week, uh, when, uh, when Lewis Hamilton, so, uh, Max Verstappen, uh, is leading the, or was leading until last week, the championship points race. Uh, Lewis Hamilton was in second, which is, uh, something he has not been accustomed to uh, over the last eight years. And uh, so last week, uh, Lewis and Max uh, had a bit of an incident together, and mm. Max ended up getting the short end of that stick oh. and was knocked out of the race. 
Lewis went on to win. Uh, and so he uh, just about caught Max last week. And then this week, uh, Max didn't get completely taken out of the race uh, by that incident on turn one. Uh, but his car was significantly damaged and he, uh, he, I think he finished, he got a point or two, but he didn't get very many. Uh, Lewis came in ultimately uh, second uh, after a disqualification after the race. And so Lewis is now up by like eight or 10 points at the break, which isn't a lot, Mm. but the momentum is definitely pointing uh, back towards Mercedes. Uh, but uh, Red Bull and uh, Max Verstappen and Christian Horner, the principal of the team, are like waging sort of an all out, like sort of mental and political campaign to do, do anything they can to throw Mercedes off their game. Mm. Uh, and uh, there was actually a uh, a, a, a very short video I saw this morning of uh, Toto Wolf, the principal from Mercedes, at passing Christian Horner, like on the way to uh, a, you know a, a media uh, scrum, and Christian kind of like made a move towards. I should say Toto made a move towards Christian, like sort of. The body language seemed sort of apologetic. And Christian's body language was, uh, I'm having none of this. <laughs> and, and Toto kind of started walking away and then turned back and pointed and definitely said something, uh, indicating some displeasure at, uh, at, at Christian's behavior. And then uh, Christian just kind of continued on up into the interview that he was heading towards. And so, yeah, there's... It's going to be a pretty interesting uh, second half of the season between well, those and, two teams. And with that, um, you know, quickly, we've got we're going to take a break in just a minute. But yeah. um, with Lewis Hamilton, you know, championship driver, you know, just a champion, but characterize him for us. So, like, for these, you know, two incidents, the disqualification, the the weirdness in Hungary, like, is he Michael Jordan? Is he like, I will burn those cities and those people <laughs> to the ground? Or is he more, um, it, it slides off of him, like, I just need to do better. I'm going to retool and, and just be better. Like, how, like, what is, how is that going to impact him as a, as a driver? I think Lewis who I should say, I can't remember the last time I was on talking about F1. I should say in, I think the time since then, we have all just kind of given in to the, the mm. Lewis, the Lewisness. Uh, we used to be not super happy with him, but he, like he's, it's just un, his skill and talent are just kind of undeniable. Um, and so what's going to happen with Lewis? He's, I think he's going to stay pretty focused. Mm-hmm. He, he is very much uh, about like the team. And so he knows that the team has his back and they're going to do whatever it takes to help him win. Um, you know, one of the frustrating things about Lewis is that he does have a tendency to get down during the races. And then the team sort of has to like uh, 
rouse him back to life uh, via the team radio while he's in the car. Uh, but, you know, he's he's kind of unstoppable. And so, no, he isn't like, he's not, the, he doesn't really do the war of words things. Like, he, yeah, he's not like a, a, a burn the buildings down and salt the earth kind of uh, person. He's, he's kind of one of those guys who, uh, you know, just kind of very quietly uh, climbs into the car and does his work. And he usually wins. He usually okay. wins. Yeah, and then very quickly, just to clarify, so yeah. he did not get disqualified. He benefited ah. oh, yeah. from a disqualification. I got, I got it. I got that second. wrong. Yeah, I... There's another crazy thing about that race. It's because the guy in uh, the number two spot, uh, there wasn't enough gas left in the tank to mm. test. Yep. So basically there was an insufficient sample size, so they don't know if they had any, you know, they don't know that they did anything wrong, but it's basically right. like you're going to do a drug test. And you're like, I'm sorry, you just don't have enough pee in the cup, so we're yeah. going to assume yeah. you're doping. <laughs> yep. and more and even more frustratingly it isn't even necessarily that there wasn't enough fuel in the tank to test it's that the governing body that does the testing couldn't whatever procedure they use to get right. the fuel out they couldn't get enough to make an official sample so they didn't get the guy to just be like oh i could just drain this out with the team Aston Martin, the team, like literally told them, like, we'll take the tank out and dump it out for you. <laughs> and the FIA was like, no, it has to be like through our little port. <laughs> well, Matt, thank you so much for joining us. This has been really fun. I, I do love to hear the uh, Formula One uh, stories, especially in a sport where I'm like, wow, I have na absolutely no idea and making it even more dramatic. So thank you, Matt. Well, thanks for having me on, and it's always a pleasure. We're going to talk some quickly about um, Major League Baseball trade deadline, but you've got a, a Djokovic hot take that you wanted to share sure. with us. Yeah, I've talked along the way, so Novak Djokovic uh, now stands tied with Federer and Nadal with 20 Grand Slam titles, and it seems inevitable that he will pass them soon and, and soon be recognized as you know, the greatest tennis player ever, or at least the most celebrated and most skilled. Um, but I just struggle sometimes with the way he is. Um, yes. I think part of the way of the way he is helps him be so locked in when he plays. But um, and this was a meme that was going around. It was a little misquoted. Uh, but with the Simone Biles thing, he sort of you know has the saying, "Well, pressure is a privilege," you know, and all that kind of stuff. So if you don't know how to, uh, so they're like, "Okay, just the easy talking about other people's approach." Um, uh, but his thing is he wanted to do the Golden Slam. Uh, he has won three of the four Grand Slams so far with the U.S. Open still to come. And he also wanted to win a gold medal. No one has ever won five in the same year. Wow. So he went to the Olympics going to do that. And turns out he ends up getting beat by Alexander Zverev um, and sort of flaming out there, getting a little frustrated. And then in the bronze match against uh, you know, Carino Batusta, um, like throws a racket to the stand, smashes uh. it against the post. There's a great picture of like a ball boy sort of wincing in fear um, and ends up not even getting the bronze. So it's all fine. I mean, there is something actually in tennis too. Yeah, get it out. 
go ahead and smash a racket and yell yeah. and then move forward rather than sitting on the anger. So it's it's not terrible strategy, but it was just sort of funny that he was like, pressure is a privilege. Now, excuse me while I throw a racket into the unfortunately <laughs> empty stands. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> wow, that's intense. Um, what was also intense was the trade deadline in baseball. Um, we haven't talked a whole lot about baseball this uh, this season, but um, it, it was indicative of uh, of this. I think lots of big um, big names have shifted. Lots of big salaries. Um, you know, not sure if the Cubs even have a team left anymore. The Nationals kind of cleaned house, but then this is the sort of um, sort of oh, typical is I, I saw somewhere on Twitter on that day that it looks like oh Max uh, Max Scherzer, who I love his name, he's like the rural juror. Uh, Max Scherzer, you know, probably going to get traded to the Padres, and I was like, oh, really interesting. I'd love to see what that's going to happen. And then I was like, oh no, we had that wrong. The Dodgers are trading for him, and they get Trey Turner, who's a really great shortstop second baseman for the Nationals. And so the Dodgers are kind of doing what everyone who doesn't know anything about the sports think that the Yankees are doing, you know? Like, yeah, um, like they're just like, oh, we'll take that great player. Oh, we're we're going to take this one too. He's just going to sit on our bench. Um, so really do we, we want him, but we want – you did not have him. Yes, <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, it was very much a, like the Dodgers eat Max, Max Scherzer, but also just like, sorry, Padres, you're not going to get even close to us. Uh, but, you know, the Giants and Padres still will are, are keeping up. You know, Giants brought in Chris, Chris Bryant from the Cubs, who's who's definitely been there, performed on a big stage. Um, so yeah, we'll see what happens, but, uh, lots of, lots of movement in baseball. That was pretty fun for fantasy sports, especially. Yeah. Tough stretch for, for Cubs as they sort of, you know, broke up the world series team from a few years back. Um, and you know, if it's it's not working, that's what you do. Uh, I was a little nervous. Uh, so the, the Yankees, uh, picked up, uh, Gallo from the Rangers and then also Anthony Rizzo from the Cubs. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I was like, oh no, kind of like, you know. Guys who strike out a lot, blah, blah, blah. But Anthony yeah. Rizzo uh, had a great opening stretch and uh, so perfect. You know, Anthony Rizzo for the Yankees. Yeah. yeah, but, yeah. So, hooray. So, yeah, I hope that ends up being a, a, a nice combination of player and fan base. Well, let's hope it sets up for a really good run and um, in baseball and not just like, well, we welcome our new overlords, the Los Angeles Dodgers. Uh, we'll see. They, they, I don't think they improved their bullpen, so... Yeah, that's true. That that remains an issue. Uh, So there we go. So, uh, hooray. uh, Thanks for bringing Matt on. Uh, I do like, again, when I get to talk to my dad, he'll always ask, do you talk any racing? And I'm like, no, not really. Um, (laughs) So uh, I get to say yes this week. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you next week.